Want to become successful in your personal and professional life? Learn the secrets of success, how to build atomic habits for improved productivity and develop a growth mindset with me, your mindset and success coach, Omar Qadri, and my fabulous guests that range from CEOs, entrepreneurs, life coaches, sports coaches, international sports athletes, and researchers right here on your favorite show called The Secrets of Greatness. Cricket is like a religion in the country that I'm originally from, Pakistan. The country has a population of over 200 million people and only 240 have had the success to represent the nation at an international level. You do not just need talent, but also the work ethics to represent the nation at such an enormous stage. And you are definitely a success story if you get to be selected for the Pakistani cricket team. So in today's special, special episode of Secrets of Greatness, I have with me a current Pakistani test cricketer who has tasted success after seeing some failures. So please join me in welcoming the very humble and the extremely hardworking Sean Masood. Hey Sean, how are you? I'm good, Omar. Thank you for having me on your show. It is such a pleasure. It's such an honor. Thank you so much to you for agreeing to be on the show and contributing towards my research. I really, really appreciate it. How's your day going? My pleasure. Very good. I mean, we're fasting into, into Ramadan now and yes. uh, uh, just, uh, just enjoying it at the moment. I, I don't think it could have come at a better time. Oh yes, with the and you you're getting time with the family now, right? So that's good. Yeah, I mean it's it's been it's been eight months and I'm finally back home and yeah, I'm that's, enjoying time with the family now. That sounds beautiful, Sean. So picking up on our conversation from last time, where you and I we spoke a little bit more in detail about some of the research work that I'm doing, and you know you are so kind and generous to contribute towards that. So this interview will be a part of that study. And I'm so happy that you're contributing. So I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. So, you're welcome. All right. So, Sean, if, uh, if I may, we can uh, get started with the first segment. Is that okay? Of course. Of all course. right. So, Sean, the first segment is what I call as the great rapid fire round. Okay? okay. In this round, I'm just going to throw you some easy questions or as you can say like a few yorkers a few bouncers here and there left right and center few will be wide you can skip some of them if you really want to that's all good you can pass there are no no hard feelings um and uh yeah just try to be very spontaneous quick with your answers you and um and and let's just have some fun so that we can just get warmed up to the more of the intense questions sounds good yeah sounds all right At any time, if there are any technical difficulties, by the way, just let me know. Awesome. Okay, Sean. So let's begin the great rapid fire. Starting off with a very easy question. Sean, tell me your favorite book or a book that changed your life. Uh, I'd say it'd probably be the first one that I read. It was, it's called uh, Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. Ah, I read it in 20... I read it in 2015 and uh, the, the subtitle basically, uh, it, I got sold because of the subtitle and it's called The Power of Thinking Without Thinking. This basically ah. trusts you to uh, sort of, I mean, teaches you to trust your subconscious. And that's probably the first time I dwelled into 
even sort of acknowledging that I have a subconscious. Wow, that's amazing. And Malcolm Gladwell is definitely one of my favorite authors as well. All right, the next question, a habit that you want to break. A habit that I want to break, um, probably uh, procrastination or guilt about <laughs> not doing something, yeah. That's, that, that's a tough one. Okay, so next one, a habit that you actually want to build. A habit that I want to build, just just be more uh, accepting to, to any sort of um, anything that I don't agree with. Um, and that can be anything, whether it's failure, whether it's listening to an opinion of somebody, so just being more like accepting towards other things. That's beautiful. All right, next one. A great, an all-time great person uh, from any field that you would like to meet. Ooh, uh, that's a that's a tricky one, but I mean, lately it's Steph Curry would be would be my number one. Uh, Steph Curry, you love Steph Curry, of course. You have that those uh, roots from uh, California, right? That's why. <laughs> All right, that's awesome. Um, if you weren't a cricketer, what would you be, Sean? I can never imagine anything else other than being a cricketer so i'm right. gonna let that one go let, let, yeah. let that one go fair enough so we all know about your fitness regime you are one of the fittest uh, guys in the in the pakistani cricket team but tell me what's your favorite cheat meal pizza pizza any day, <laughs> any day. A, thin, a, a thin crust pizza but a pizza is is a cheat meal <laughs> thin crust pizza <laughs> got it man that's awesome and what is your least favorite part of training uh, I don't know, just um, probably cardio or just the repetitive nature of training at times. There's some days where you just don't want to go. And that's yeah. when, you, when you know you have to go. So probably being consistent with it and doing lots of cardio, which can be very strenuous. That's right. Yeah, those are the also and uh, Also body weight stuff. I hate doing body weight stuff. <laughs> so I'm that also with push-ups. Okay, so, with push okay, got it. All right, Sean, a superpower that you wish you had? Uh, I mean, the, the, the most ideal one would be like probably looking into the future uh-huh. and then kind of changing it. But I think my favorite superhero has always been Batman. So I, I just want to be a normal guy that doesn't have any superpowers and can still make a difference. Wow, that's beautiful. That's, that's really nicely put, actually. All right. Um, a batsman that you would like to bat with? A lot. A lot at the moment. Um, I mean, obviously, one. I bat. I, I already bat with Barber, so Barber goes out of that list. Yeah. Um, so, like, the, the, you, got, you, you have your Kohli, Smith, uh, Root, Williamson, all of those guys. Um, I would love to bat. Or maybe even uh, Alistair Cook, who I've yeah. always admired. And then Graham Smith. So, there's just a Huge, huge list. Great. Awesome. Um, an all-time sporting role model? I've started, like, ever since I've picked up a role model, it's, it's been, like, initially, it's always been Ronaldo and Roger Federer. But now I'll put uh, Steph Curry into, into the frame as well. And, and he'd be, yeah, he'll always Love be it. a role model. Love it. Who is the worst ledger in the team? Probably myself. I think you know, on, on, on two counts. Uh, one that um, whenever I've sledged, I've always had uh, 
I've always had karma serving me right after that. Um, and, and secondly, I don't think I can come up with anything original. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, and who's the best ledger in the team then? I mean, there are quite a lot of funny guys. Um, and then when we talk about sledging, you want to have somebody that's funny. So, yeah. Sir Faraz is funny. Uh, Imam Ul-Haq is very funny. Um, we've got characters. We've got a lot of characters. Um, uh, then you've got your fast bowlers, which are very, like, aggressive. And then they're also, yeah. like, if you look at Amir, Amir is, uh, Amir is fully intense, but he also knows how to crack a joke as well. So, he's, he's somebody who's always been on top of the opposition. So, we've got a few you were effective sledges in the team. That's awesome, man. That's good to know. Um, Sean, who is the fastest baller that you have faced? Uh, I think I faced uh, Dale Stain and, and Mitchell Johnson at their fastest. Uh, um, yes. And I think those would be the two. But then again, like recently, there's been Rabada. There's been yeah. Pat, uh, Pat Cummins. Is, yeah, Mitchell Stark. Uh, yeah, I think those are the guys that I'd call the quickest at the moment. All right. Um, and who is the toughest bowler that you have faced so far? Pat Cummins by a mile. Pat Cummins? What makes him special? Any? I, I mean, for somebody to be uh, quick, um, to have some skill with the ball, and at the same time just be so consistent mm. and keep running in, countless number of overs a day. Um, we played them in Australia and it yeah. was quite warm over there. Just kept coming up spell after spell. There's, there's one spell where he bowled 10 in a row. Um, oh. When he got me out at the Gabba, he bowled 7 in a row and he insisted on bowling the 7th over and that's when I got out. Uh, so, oh, wow. I mean, you just like bowlers that are relentless and I'd also probably put Rabada in the same in the mold. I mean, yeah. if I'm trying to pick my all-time favorite, it'd probably be Dale Stain. Mm, got it. No, that's a that's a great list. Pat Cummins, Rabada, and Dale Stain. Yeah, those are some definitely some tough bowlers. Um, who is the biggest prankster in the team? Imam Al Haq. <laughs> Anything that you think you can uh, share? Any any funny story that you think you can share? Uh, no, not on the no? top of my okay, head because that's... I mean he just goes he just goes through so much that. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> hard counting, yeah. <laughs> okay. Seems like there are a lot. Of, okay. Yeah, I think uh, you can come up with a book of uh, book of pranks. Great. Okay. Awesome. Um, Chan, who's the best captain that you have played under? And this could be even uh, at a domestic mm-hmm. level or at the PSL level, uh, if not international. Look, I think I've been lucky enough to play under under Yunus Khan, who's been mm. a role model for me as well. Yeah. Um, but tactically, what I've seen, um, I mean, I've played under Mispa as well, who's been one of Pakistan's most successful captains. Yeah. But I think tactically, what I've seen, uh, Sir Faraz was, was right up there. And yeah, I see. So smart tactically on the field, his, his knowledge, his sense of the game is, is immaculate. And, and I think he was a great leader for Pakistan. Right. That's awesome. You covered all three of them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Someone you feel intimidated by either in the dressing room or outside? Uh, Dressing room initially was was always uh, Lala because he had this aura, this... uh, this aura about him. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, ever since we've started playing for Multan Sultans, uh, I've gotten to know him more. I've spent more time with him. And, and he's such a great guy to have uh, 
in the dressing room. Um, yeah, I think he's he's he has that personality, and then uh, that can that can intimidate a person initially. But but the more you get to know him, you realize that what a great guy he is. Got it. Awesome, um, Sean, an emerging player uh, who you think has all the ingredients to become a great or to become successful. Uh, I think we sometimes we just put too much pressure on on the on, on the younger lot by saying that somebody has all the ingredients. I'm a huge believer that you build ingredients as you go along and and you never stop adding ingredients to to your profession to your skill mm-hmm. um but and if i'm going to take one name that might be a bit unfair but we've got quite a lot of people coming up uh and i think the psl proved it you mm-hmm. had heder ali you had zishan malik yeah. you had rohail nazir umar khan uh like countless number of people that that played the psl we had uh, we had Ali Shafiq in our team as well, yeah. Mohammad Elias in our team as well. So, I think there a lot of a lot of youngsters coming up, and again, uh, uh, like Hasnain, Nasim Shah, Musa, Haris Rao. These are all guys that have already played international cricket, yeah. so you wouldn't really call them upcoming. But I think we've got a really good batch of uh, of younger guys coming in and and actually challenging for for playing eleven spots. um and if you i i i'll make that question because you've named like pretty much everyone all the youngsters yeah. who played psl um let me reframe that who has the work ethics the right work ethic the most you know the best work, work ethics. ethics yeah if i um, were to change the question I, i can again i can only say about uh, the the four guys that i named that have already started playing pakistan cricket they're different so you can put them aside Mm-hmm. Um, the ones I've played with, I can I can say they have a good work ethic. Um, I've played with Brohel, he's mm-hmm. got a really good work ethic. Zishan Malik, and then Umar Khan. I played like Umar Khan was a find of our cricket department, UBL. Um, our mm-hmm. coach Umar Rashid and our manager Nadeem Khan. They were the ones that found him out of literally a net practice in mm-hmm. in Peshawar, and uh, they brought him into the circuit. And the the kid would just ball all day long. So he's got. amazing work ethics that's amazing to know um shan a teammate that you would not want to share a room with <laughs> haven't haven't come across anyone like that i think i'm quite oh. flexible and yeah i've enjoyed rooming with different people at different times you just you just learn so many things and and you enjoy so many like different companies of like different people so i like diversity So let me reframe that then. Who's your favorite uh, roommate so far? Favorite roommate would probably be um, Asit Shafiq's a good guy to hang out with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean I enjoy time with Asit. Uh, I think we like like going to the cinema. We like eating out. We like playing the PlayStation. So I think we've nice. got we've got similar likes. Uh, neat and tidy guy as well. I'm I'm I can get pretty OCD at times. So yeah, Asad's been a good roommate. Awesome. And the last one, if you could attend a master class session of a cricketer from any era, who would you pick? Ooh, I'd always say Kumar Sangakkara because of his oh. knowledge of the game. Any time. What a classy player! What a classy player for sure. That's awesome. That's a great answer, Tian. That was that was amazing, man. I think you you hammered me all over the park. Uh, I had fun. I hope you enjoyed this first session. That was really that was really good. <laughs> uh, I worked a little hard to try to, to 
think about these questions. Um, but um, if, uh, let's, uh, let's move on to the next segment where we're going to get more um, what I call as the great candid chat. And yeah. uh, in this section, Sean, um, you know, just let's have just let's just have a, you know, a nice candid conversation about you, your career. But more or less, I think what we you and I, we started uh, talking about we're more on the non-technical aspects of uh, of any professional. Right. That's where you and I we connected as well. So if I am not uh, mistaken and correct me if I'm wrong here, I think at least to me, I can see your view your career in three different parts one before you made your debut in 2013 yeah. when you and between the time you started playing fc cricket so 2007 to 2013 that's part one then came your international debut against south africa in 2013 and that period of being in and out of the team um and uh, not doing too well was went all the way up until this another South African series in 2018 or 19, I believe, where then you just came back and you were, to me, a transformed batsman altogether, right? So let's walk through those three phases of Sean Masood's journey. Is that okay with you? Yeah, that's completely fine. Awesome. So my first question to you, Sean, is give me a peek into your brain and into your mindset you know, before you made your international debut. I want to learn, like, what were your beliefs at that time? What were your values? What was your psychology at that point? Uh, I think there was a lot of immaturity. Um, mm -hmm. And it was pretty much just um, uh, focusing on just the goal and, and the dream, and that was to play for Pakistan. Um, and then... I played under 19s for Pakistan, and in my batch we had we we had an amazing under 19s batch, which went into the 2008 World Cup. We had Amir, we had Ahmed Shahzad, Umar Akmal, Umar Amin, Imad Wasim, Usman Salahuddin, Junaid Khan. So, and and a lot of those guys went on to play for Pakistan uh, early on. So I think I was too sort of outcome oriented then. I just mm -hmm. wanted to play for Pakistan, and even in that time, like I learned that. I played my best cricket at times where I completely devoted myself to, to that present moment. And I had some really uh, good seasons in under-19 cricket. Then I went to boarding school in England. I had a really good school season over there. Then I came back into first class and my best first class season was also at a time where I just focused on first class cricket and didn't look too ahead. But I think overall, I was always just bothered about, oh, I want to play for Pakistan, I want to play for Pakistan, but never actually really figuring out a way to play for Pakistan. And I think mm. I was pretty immature in dealing with um, with any sort of setback or any sort of non-selection or anything. And I was always looking at external things than, than myself at that particular time. Right. And it's that phase of us being not being very introspective about our own selves or taking that inner journey to realize like perhaps the fault is not external, it's actually internal, right? Exactly. So, so um, what about later on? Like, how did that mindset or that psychology change after you made your um, after you made your international debut in 2013? Um, I think having a, a good first uh, sort of uh, innings in international cricket sort of helped. Um, mm -hmm. And but again, the thing with international cricket was. Um, 
again, I'll always be on a learning curve, but then I was still figuring, figuring out a lot of things in my game. Mm-hmm. And I think I was quite raw at that particular time. Um, and what I didn't acknowledge was I didn't accept I was raw. And at the same time, I was looking for results. So I think that was the time where I should have accepted that um, the outcome is not, initially the outcomes are not going to matter. Initially, it's my time to go there, throw myself in the cauldron and see how I respond, um, what are the things I can learn from it. So I don't think I was a good learner. And and when I had a bad innings and, and as a batsman, um, if you're playing five innings, mm-hmm. uh, you, you do well in, in a couple or max three. Um, you're always bound to have a failure because it's a one-ball game for a batsman. Um, so I don't think I was quite uh, acceptable towards the fact that I had a lot to learn or I wanted to learn. So, And that's I think that's what brought the inconsistency as well when you just keep looking for results. Uh, I remember that even after I got my first test 100, that's the time that you. I expected myself to kick on. I expected myself to, to raise my average from 30s to 40s and, and, and onwards. But I think I just put too much expectations on myself. And, and when once I started playing international cricket, um, I think where I was and where I set the bar, that was a huge gap. And I thought I needed to be really like very honest with myself. Mm. I think you bring up a very, very interesting point, a very good point about being... Um, and this is something that comes from the study of psychology of mindset, right? Um, the mindset of people who are who eventually get on that path of success and greatness are those who are more process oriented versus outcome oriented, and that is something that you just spoke about in your in your answer. Like you know, initially, in when when you, even before you started your uh, your international cricket or right even after a few years after it was all about um the outcome it was all about the results and not much about the process right that's that that's a very good point and i you know that's a great point that you have brought up sean um sean so in our previous conversation you spoke to me about something very interesting that i picked up on and you said that um journaling is something that really, really helped you become more introspective, especially after that uh, series against England, right, in 2016. And you mentioned that you didn't just focus on making those uh, technical changes by hiring uh, a batting coach, but you also started making some non-technical changes, right? What I call them as those as are the, our non-cognitive capabilities. So let's focus on that a little bit. Let's focus on those non-cognitive capabilities. Tell me a little bit more. What were those non-cognitive capabilities that you uh, worked on and how did those help you transform your game so that when you came back, you were a very different batsman altogether? I think when I, when I started playing international cricket in 2013 and then I was in and out from 2014 onwards, um, I had probably my first injury as well um, and, and just the pressures of, of being dropped or, or not being selected, of not scoring runs, uh, of trying to improve my game but I mean not working, I mean things don't work out the way you want them. Um, yeah. All of that sort of uh, led me and then, and then obviously hearing how different sportsmen um, started looking at mental health and mm. you always heard this this phrase that uh, sports is is more 
a mental challenge than a physical challenge because at the end of the day it's a decision making process and the more decisions you make i mean you have to make a lot of decisions and the more effective your decisions are the higher your chances of success are um again not guaranteed so i just thought what could i do with um with uh, with myself um and i think my uh, my parents uh, we were in the uk at that time that's the first time we uh, agreed to see a sports psychologist um and and i think i eventually saw myself uh, score my first 100 once i had a few sessions with the sports psychologist mm-hmm. um but again i think i wasn't consistent with the process and i thought that we uh, swept things under the rug um and it was a temporary solution but if i wanted to sort of uh if i wanted to be consistent with my performances i'd also have to be consistent with with uh, like i work my physical body like i work my technical skills i'll also have to work on the mental side of things um and i think it was after the england series that i really realized that this is something i need to step up i need to step up my own efforts so whether i read what i listen to um the kind of people i'm around um because you have to make sure that your environment environment is positive it's supportive it's not toxic um you look at different things you analyze yourself um you see what behaviors are are being uprooted by by different things uh, in your life um and then i saw various people i seek help from various experts and i i just thought that i set myself in the right trend after that again like journaling is something that mm. when you when you listen to a lot of good podcasts a lot of successful people you read their books um journaling again is one of the examples so i picked up different things at different times and i think again even even at this moment um there are few things that i'm not consistent with but mm-hmm. when i do them consistently over a period of time they all have their benefits so it's just amazing that you have this whole field that you can access to your the only thing is being lazy and and not and not giving an effort to that side of thing not thinking that it's important because it's not it's not uh, tangible and it's not directly related to your skill it's not that uh, you're picking up a bat and learning right. something or you're out in the field of learning something but it is so important and it's those 1% is those intangible things that that make a difference between a good and a great player absolutely that is so that is exactly uh what this entire series is actually all about right like <clears throat> pardon me um that's exactly what the series is all about it's about those non technical those non cognitive skills that you just talked about that are so so important because i think from a technical capability perspective there is um there's marginal differences between um the people who are already up there in the international arena right it comes down to something you said right you know the mental aspect because especially for a batsman you guys are facing bowlers who are bowling at 90 miles per hour and you have less than fraction of a second to react and for the brain to make that decision like how to play that ball and make sure you don't get out and actually score runs and then there's the scoreboard pressure right there's so many things mentally that's that all those calculations and analysis that that are happening right in the brain and surprisingly a lot of a lot of well now people uh, athletes are slowly slowly starting to picking picking up on these things um but before at least it, you know there was no concept of um training the mind training the brain and uh doing 
things that can actually help you be uh, more more strong mentally. Okay, so I think that's why Blink was such an important book. Um, it basically made you accept something related yeah. to your profession. And then one of, uh, I hope I'm not spoiling the book for anyone, one of the, the most important topics was that um, a baseball coach figured out that scientifically it's virtually impossible that you can spot the ball uh, because the time limit from the release of the ball to the point it gets you is so short so minute mm. that it's impossible for the human eye to pick it up mm. so that's where you do your hours of training you trust your subconscious but how do you work on that subconscious you need to exercise that subconscious as well so i mean it just make probably that's why I thought it was such a big revelation. It just made me look into something that I had no idea of. Right. And it, it, you say something really interesting, like, you know, it's a, it's a muscle that you got to exercise, right? Yeah. And we got it just like how uh, we treat our uh, physical body, our, our chest, our back, our biceps and legs, whatever you want. You train them, you build those muscles. Similarly, brain is a muscle, right? We got to um, do those exercises for the brain to improve our uh, cognitive and non-cognitive capabilities as well. Absolutely. Um, by the way, uh, side question, have you read Out, uh, Outliers of uh, Malcolm Gladwell? Yeah, yeah. I've, read, I've read all his books and the, the most recent one, Talking to Strangers. Yeah, I have not um, read that one yet. I'd recommend you getting an audio book of that because he reads it himself. Um, oh. I don't think the text version would be that that fun because the audio book just makes it so much more interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that then. That, that's really something I'll, I'll I'll do for sure. No, that's a great uh, great tip. Thanks, Sean. Okay, so great conversation. Um, another question that I really wanted to ask you is, in your um, you know, as we talk about the mindset a lot, right? In this series, we talk about success. And a lot of the students, a lot of the youth um, that I work with as a coach, as an educator, um, they, you know, they have this mindset about success and they associate, sadly, they, a lot of them, unfortunately, associate monetary value with success in a way. Um, and to me, that's not right. But at the same time, I'd never say that, hey, uh, money is not important. Money is definitely important, but it should not be the only um, yardstick to measure success, right? Um, in terms of our youth, right? The youth who are watching, who will be watching this episode, or even the working professionals or parents, what kind of advice do you want to impart on them uh, um, in terms of like, what should they do? Something actionable if they want to actually really see the tangible success in their lives? If you want to see tangible success, uh, you'll have to accept that it'll always be a byproduct of the intangible success. Um, and the best thing you can do, you can do is take that internal journey and work on your process. Um, yes, have goals, whether it's money, whether it's a big house, whether, I mean, it can be anything. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's success in your profession by numbers, by statistics, whatever, it can be anything. But the best form of success is when um, you're comfortable in your own skin, um, you have a solid process, and you base everything on that process, and you trust that process to deliver you outcomes. So work on yourself, and work on bettering yourself 
compete with yourself, be hungry, set targets, set goals, whether it's money. I don't mind people chasing money, but it has to be for the right reasons. And again, like the last thing would be the best sort of satisfaction you get is when you can contribute, uh, whether it's to millions, whether it's to like tens, hundreds of thousands, mm. that doesn't matter. So at the end of the day, whatever you do, it has to contribute to something for the greater good. So once you get outside of yourself, um, I mean, it sounds, uh, it sounds a bit contradictory that you take that internal journey, but you still have to get outside yourself. Outside yourself by meaning that you, you serve for the greater cause. And once mm-hmm. you figure out that cause, I think things become easy. No, that, that's such a good point. And I think even in the... Um... Um, even even in like the workshops and the coaching that I do, I always work on uh, students trying to figure out what is the bigger purpose of their lives, right? Once you have that sort of like a North Star to work with, everything somehow or the other with all by taking that internal journey start falling into into place, right? It's like a Absolutely. pyramid. It's like a hierarchy. You can think of it in that way, right? Um, when you were doing that, um, you, you were working on yourself, you were working on your self-development and your self-growth, um, you know, oh, something actionable, like when you say, take that journey inside, what would be like those top two or three things that you would recommend uh, people to start doing um, to take that journey inwards? Number one is obviously um, to be really honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. And give yourself time, talk to yourself. Don't worry that you go into a quiet zone and just be honest with yourself. Figure out where you are, what you want to do, even if it sounds harsh, Mm -hmm. that really shouldn't matter. So once you start being honest with yourself, you figure out a lot of things. Number two would be to act and don't be scared of acting. Mm -hmm. Even if something makes you uncomfortable and I'd merge um, merge number two and number three together. So number two would be act and number three would be to take yourself outside your comfort zone. Something can make you as, un- if something's making you uncomfortable, you should know that's the time to act. Um, so the, the best would be the outcome you strive for. Mm. Um, when you act, you might get that result. And the worst possible scenario would probably be in your best interest as well that if you don't, um, I know it sounds cliche, but if you don't, succeed or get what you want at least you learn something of it and you'll come back stronger so look take a look uh take a good look at yourself from the inside act and the third would be to take yourself outside your comfort zone i love it i absolutely love those uh um, pieces of advice sean thank you so let's move on to a different um a little bit more on the cricketing side we have spoken a lot about um, the mind and the psychology, the mindset, the inner journey. Let's talk about uh, cricket, but still in the lens, through the lens of those non-cognitive skills. I'm going to talk about leadership at this point. Recently, you were uh, the, a very successful captain um, at, the, at your franchise team, the Multan Sultan in the Pakistan Super League. For those of you who are unaware what PSL or Pakistan Super League is, think of it as the... English Premier League EPL for Pakistan, but in cricket, you know, that's like the analogy that I can give you. Um, So Sean was the captain of a very successful um, franchise for PSL. Um, Unfortunately, the tournament 
couldn't uh, end due to COVID-19. But by the end of when it got uh, canceled, all the teams had played equal amount of games and your team, Sean, were the table toppers. You guys had won the most n number of games um, and you were the captain. And that too, I think it was the first time you were captaining a side in, uh, in PSL, correct me if I'm wrong? In PSL, yes. Right, yeah. Uh, so how, one, how was that experience? And what I actually really wanna get uh, understand is, you know, how did that inner journey that you took by devoting yourself and exercising and working out your brain through books, through those podcasts, through those journaling that you spoke about, how did those things help you become a good leader? Um, I think good or bad, the leader is always under the spotlight. And <laughs> yes. uh, a, lot of, a lot of things behind the scenes, they, they get ignored. I think there's a lot of work put in behind the scenes. The way Multan ran the cricketing setup, they invested in in uh, data analytics. The owners are passionate about cricket, and it just helps when um, when you also have owners that are that are good mentors, um, and they instill something that they made a decision that I wouldn't call a normal decision. You wouldn't expect other franchises if I if I ask you to. To, to put me at the helm, to make me captain. They saw something and they backed their vision. So I think it all starts from there. Then um, we had a great set of, of, of a management team. Uh, we are led by Andy Flower, uh, one of the most successful coaches in international cricket, one of the most successful players in international cricket. Yeah. Um, and then we had a really good sort of uh, mix of, of uh, experience and youth. And uh, I think what I tried to do from myself was I wanted to be open to open as much as possible to anyone and everyone over there. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously you need a filter at the end of the day as well. And you need to trust your own gut and instincts. But there were times that um, I did not know what to do, but I was uh, lucky to, to have so many great resources at my disposal. So many great opinions at my disposal, mm. um, but sometimes you might have all the resources. But if you're not, if you're not open to those resources, if you don't know how to use them, um, then you struggle as well. So I think my thing was to be as honest and as open as possible. Uh, captaincy is not easy uh, because captaincy is just not on the field. On the field is the main bit. You have to make. It's a lot of decision making at the end of the day. So. And then when you're a batsman and you're a captain at the same time, it's just, it's, uh, it, I won't say it's a, it's a bad thing, but it's just making too many decisions in, 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 in a matter of split seconds. And then once you go off the field as well, you still have a lot of decisions to make, whether it's team meetings, whether it's uh, making the team, um, setting out different things. So like um, you're a representative of the players. So how would you like to do things logistically? Uh, different, different things. So um, it's, uh, it's uh, again, I'd say it's not an easy job, but I think everything at the end of the day made me realize that I have to make decisions. And in order to make decisions, I have to keep myself in the best possible frame of mind mentally. So I think these non-cognitive like skills uh, were... I think if, if, if I look at it, I just try to keep myself as uh, fresh and healthy as possible. 
because there were just too many decisions that you have to make. And at the end of the day, the good thing about Multan was that we collectively took ownership of all decisions. And where somebody felt strongly about something, we tried to back that particular person. Um, and there was no, there was no culture of senior or juniors. Everyone was welcome to put in their opinion, and mm-hmm. it was a culture of empowerment. And once you empower people, um, you give responsibility, especially to athletes. I think that's when you get their best reactions. So I think it's one of one of the most uh, greatest learning experiences I've had thus far, uh, and I'd love to do it again. And I think that the culture we had, the kind of people we had, it was such a great environment to work under, and I hope that we get to do it again in the future. I'm sure. Hopefully things uh, normalize from the, this hope, the pandemic that we all are experiencing so that we can, who knows what, what will happen with this uh, season of PSL, but hopefully whenever there is a next one, you guys uh, do really good. Um, John, like a great leader, you, you know, with that particular answer, like, like how all great leaders should be, they give the team the entire credit of the success. And that's exactly what you have done in like a great role model. Um, tell me any, um, a particular incident where you felt very challenged as a, as a leader, as a captain, um, you, you were challenged and how did you overcome that challenge? I think the, the, the biggest challenge as a captain is I, I won't like give a particular incident because um, that kind of thing happens all, all around the tournament or all, all year around if you're, mm-hmm. playing for, if you're playing a whole season uh, throughout the year. But the, the, the worst part is um, you can only play 11 players um, and you've got a squad of 18. How do you manage the other seven, seven players? And... I think the worst thing for a cricketer is sitting out. Sitting out is probably the toughest job. Um, yes, you should be grateful that you're in the squad. There are a lot of people who would be sort of dying to be in the squad. Um, but again, everyone wants to play. Everyone wants to contribute. So leaving someone out, even resting somebody. Um, somebody doesn't want to rest. You rest them against their will. Giving them that news. Um, and look. If somebody throws a reaction, you don't mind that reaction because number one, it's in the heat of the moment. Mm-hmm. And number two, it shows how passionate they are and how much they want to play and contribute. But you still have to look after your own frame of mind. And once you hear somebody saying something about you or not accepting your decision or not reacting to it when your honest intentions are for the betterment of the team and the betterment of the group, um, it in the heat of the moment, it, it can be a bit intimidating and you also have to go out in a matter of minutes and, and probably field or bat and you have to make a lot of decisions and that's where actually everything counts. At the end of the day, everything's based on the field. Mm. So it's, it's tough leaving someone out and explaining them um, valid reasons or logical reasons because what, what might be logical to you might not be logical to them. So it's a, it's a subjective uh, choice at the end of the day uh, and I just feel it's it's probably the toughest the toughest part of, of being a captain but you just have to make sure that you put that away and once you go inside your your shan the batsman not shan the captain and that's something that Andy Clark told me once we started this journey. Nice that's um, so in a nutshell it's one of the toughest challenges at least you face if I were to reiterate is managing uh, those seven who do, 
who are asked to not play and sit out and be at the bench and managing them, exactly. managing their emotions and even taking their reactions back into the field and being, um, you know, clearing that mind out and playing with the game with the right mindset. Right? No, absolutely. That does sound like a very, very challenging job, especially when the stakes are so high, right? Um, in terms of Andy Flower, uh, how was the experience working with Andy? Flower? He is such a well-known personality in the, in the international arena um, as a coach, as a player, a great batsman, a great coach. Um, how was the experience uh, working with him? And if you were to say like there is this one thing or two things that you really, really learned from Andy Flower, what would they be? I think the I'd, I'd keep this brief and and I hope that brief thing actually demonstrates how uh, how good he is at, at at what he does. For me, the the most important skill for a coach or a manager is to be a good man manager, mm. and he was just too good at that. He just knew how to deal with every person on an individual basis, and I think when once you can do that, uh, once you do things according to people's own customized needs. It just shows that how good you are at your job. So I think the way he handled everything, the way he managed every player on a personal basis was just incredible. Right. Um, so man, man, is there an example that you can give in terms of like, hey, how he uh, is able to customize his relationship and his handling of the different personalities in the dressing room? Because the reason why I'm asking this question, because even outside of the cricketing uh, arena or the sporting arena in the corporate world, in the academia world, we are all working with people at the end of the day. We are all managing people up and down, right? So it's a, it's a great skill to have in any aspect of your life. Even in personal relationships, you're still managing the relationships as well in your personal life. Right? I, for that, I can speak from a personal point of view. Sure. Um, how he saw me as a young captain and he basically knew when to when to shield me if, if things were getting thrown at my way and he knew when to empower me and he knew when to even if it was his idea he'd, he'd let me take the credit for it so like different things so he'd come up to me and say i want you at the end of the team talk like at the end of when we have a team talk when we debrief i want you to say those things because it'll assert your authority as a young leader mm -hmm. so those are amazing things uh, and i learned a lot from, from those particular things. Um, so I think just, just understanding me, I mean, he could have easily, uh, I mean, he could have easily just let me go on about my business. Mm -hmm. He took a, took a personal interest on what he wanted me to do, what he wanted me to say. And when on a personal level, when somebody does that for me, I feel, I mean, I feel very confident about myself. And it's, it was just something good to have on a personal point of view. Right. And that is such an important um, core leadership skill to have to um, have that humility that yes I am this big cricketer coach and taking that back seat and allowing um, another young player like yourself a young leader to take the uh, to take the front seat and uh, take the credit and basically in a way empower you and I think that's that's amazing that's really really it's an important lesson for each and every one of us who, whoever is listening regardless of your the field you are in you know it's uh, it's important to realize and understand um, the nature of the people you're working with and allowing them to uh, giving them the opportunities to 
trust themselves and empowered them and not be hogging the limelight all the time. Um, that's fantastic. So Sean, those were all the questions that I had for you. This has been super, super phenomenal. I had a great time, but with that, before we say goodbye, I wanted to give you the opportunity to also, you know, ask some questions, uh, ask some questions away. Because as I said, you know, let's have a candid conversation. <laughs> no, I think I think everything's been covered. Uh, the, the questions that you posed it like yourself just shows that what are the important things to to sort of uh, to have in order to to tackle things from a from a mental perspective, looking at looking at the intangibles of things. So I think your questions gave a lot of answers as well, and that's always nice to see. No, appreciate that. I think um, the work that um, um, I'm trying to do, and uh, I, I, when it goes back to the moment when I reached out to you, uh, right? It yeah. just felt like this guy is probably on the same page. Let me connect with him. And, uh, you know, I just thought I'll just message you and, uh, you know, um, lucky me, <laughs> lucky me that no, you think you're, I think you're doing a, I think you're doing a great job and I, I hope you keep at it and, and just uh, present some great stuff to the world. And, and I think people need that. Um, we play, we play these, these things down too much, but again, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a psychological battle at the end of the day in a lot of things uh, and and whatever actions, whatever things people do they they always start from up there so yeah. um, we should we should give this as much importance as we give give to other things in life absolutely so well put Sean. thank you so so much for being the first guest on my YouTube series. <laughs> And I really, really wish you all the very best in your career. I can't wait to see cricket again. Honestly, it's uh, it's kind of weird um, living a life without cricket for the first time of my of my 30, 31 years of existence, 32 years of existence. I'm like, sometimes I forget my own age. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, and because, um, you know, I just love watching cricket. So it was just amazing, amazing chatting with you. Learned so much. And I really hope everyone who is watching this series, this show, this episode, you guys also got to learn a lot from Sean himself about leadership, about the mental aspect, about the non-cognitive skills that we keep talking about, because at the end of the day, it all starts right here with the most fascinating creation of all time, our brain. What you just learned has given you new knowledge, but knowledge is not power. It is potential power. It only becomes power when you activate your learning. I invite you to leave a review with your learnings from this episode. You can also take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your favorite social media channel with your feedback, comments, questions, and learnings. And tag me at I am Omar Padri. Because when you synthesize your learning by writing them down, you transport them from your short-term memory to your long-term memory. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode to learn better and grow faster.